0: If somebody were to ask you right now, are you free? People might give different definitions and answers to that concept, but freedom really means to be free from bondage or slavery, to be unfettered. And we're talking about spiritual categories today in Colossians 2. Are you free? Well, if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. We'll explore that more today on Walk in Truth. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's Pastor Michael. As we think about the subject of freedom, we're going to talk about the freedom that Jesus Christ purchased for us. We begin at verse 16 of Colossians 2. Colossians 2 verse 16 says, Therefore... Let no one act as your judge in regard to three things in verse 16. Food or, food or drink, Colossians 2.16, or in respect to a festival, that's number two. Or number three, a new moon or a Sabbath day. Actually, technically, there's four things there, because a new moon is different from a Sabbath day. Therefore is always a connecting word, and it takes us back in the context specifically to the previous section, which we dealt with last week. But I just want to point out verse 15. It says that Jesus Christ uh, has disarmed the rulers and authorities. See that word disarmed? That's, that's a word that should jump out to us because it's a word that means to take a weapon away from somebody. If you disarm somebody, let's say a perpetrator was going into a, uh, a store and you notice that they had a firearm. And they, they had bad intentions. And let's say that you had some training and you were able to deal with that person and disarm them. You took their weapon away. That's the idea of what Jesus Christ did at the cross. He nailed... The handwriting, verse 15, uh, 14, he canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. He has taken it out of the way. he's nailed it to the cross and he disarmed rulers and authorities and the main ruler and authority that's been disarmed or defanged is Satan himself. He has no weapon against you any longer. He can make no accusation towards the Christian that can stand... Because if you are in Christ, every sin that you've ever committed has been erased from the chalkboard by the finished work of Jesus Christ. Lucifer or Satan is disarmed. Jesus disarmed him. How? At the cross. Take a look at Isaiah 54 for a second. Isaiah 54, the grand book of Isaiah, with so many types and shadows of the coming Messiah, uh, he's dealing here with this... uh, idea of a weapon. Isaiah 54, the very last verse of the chapter, verse 17, a familiar verse, but let's take a look at it. 54, 17 of Isaiah says, no weapon that is formed against you shall what? Shall prosper. Now notice the context. And every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their vindication is from me, declares the Lord. Now, certainly this verse has had some practical application where I've heard some stories of people who, you know, others tried to kill them and the the weapon did not prosper. And it could have that kind of uh, context. But here, it's specifically speaking about tongues, verse 17, who want to speak judgment over the people of God. Notice, no weapon for- that is formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that accuses you in judgment, very apropos to our text, as we'll see in a moment, you will condemn. And then in chapter 55, we have this great invitation. It says, ho, everyone who thirsts, 55, one, come to the waters. You who have no money, come and buy and eat. Come and buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, for what is not bread, your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies uh, shown to David. Skip down to verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. If you go back to Colossians chapter 2, there's a story about Harry Houdini, the famous escape artist, magician. And Harry Houdini was uh, famed for going into towns, and he said that he could escape any jail cell, anyone. So he'd go into a town and There was this kind of this challenge, and he said he could get out of any prison situation in short order, and he always kept his promise. But one time, something went wrong. Houdini entered the jail in his street clothes. The heavy metal doors clanged shut behind him. He took from his belt a concealed piece of metal, strong and flexible, and he set to work immediately. But something seemed to be unusual about this lock. For 30 minutes, he worked and got nowhere, An hour passed and still he had not opened the door. By now he was bathed in sweat, panting in exasperation, but still he could not pick the lock. Finally, after laboring for two hours, Harry Houdini collapsed in frustration and failure against the door he could not unlock. But when he fell against the door, it swung open. (laughs) You see, the door had never been locked at all. But in his mind, it was locked, and that was all it took to keep him from opening the, the, the door and walking out of the jail cell. You've all seen the movies where, you know, people jump into a car, they're trying to escape some sort of danger, they're going to hotwire the car, and then the keys, you know, in the visor up in front of them. <laughs> hey, the keys right here, oh, oh. So you and I have the door that's been unlocked for us but you got to walk out. You don't want to walk back into prison cells as a Christian. And here's what verse 16 of Colossians 2 is saying. It says, therefore, let no one, don't let anyone, Colossians 2.16, act as your judge. You have one judge. His name is Jesus. Now, it is true that Christians are to make a righteous judgment. We're told Uh, in the scriptures that we're not to judge by a double standard, we're not to judge hypocritically, we're to make a righteous judgment. But apparently what was happening in Colossae is that people, these false teachers, were uh, pronouncing God's judgment on the people of the church. And they were adding things to the gospel. They were saying, you have to still do this. You think Christ is enough? Oh, no, 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 you don't have the secret knowledge, man. I really have the key no, Jesus has the key to death in Hades, right? He has the keys. But these false teachers were saying, no, there's an extra key here. Maybe there's two or three or four. You've got to do this and do that to be saved. And they were condemning the Christians there in Colossae, and people were feeling the pressure. They were condemning them about food and drink, verse 16, about festivals, about a new moon and a Sabbath day. This has been typical over the ages, and we've told you as we introduced the book that Colossians seems to be a strange mix of Greek uh, mysticism and philosophy mixed with Jewish legalism. And if you look at verse 16, these particular uh, things have a very Jewish ring to them. Food and drink, although in the pagan world there were those who said you couldn't eat meat or drink wine, that would somehow condemn you. But uh, here it seems to have a Jewish feel. In respect to a festival, if you look at Leviticus 23, just write it down for your notes, Leviticus 23, the festivals of the Lord are laid out there. And as they're laid out, they are foreshadowing of Jesus. The spring festivals specifically of Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, uh, the Feast of fruits, all have been fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. Those festivals are fulfilled. I do not think that Paul is saying that you can't celebrate Passover. I think what he's saying is, don't think that if you don't celebrate Passover, you're condemned. Jesus is the fulfillment of the festivals. In fact, when he was 12 years old and his family went to Jerusalem, recorded in the book of Luke, The only record we have of him really is a young man before his earthly ministry. We have the the infant stories, and then we have when he's 12 years old. And he went to the Passover with his family. And interestingly enough, he got to see what the children of Israel did there in Jerusalem as the faithful Jews would come down for Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And he got to watch his own dress rehearsal. In fact, the Hebrew language says the festivals were actually dress rehearsals for the coming reality. Jesus Christ is the Passover lamb. And when Passover was celebrated for some 1,500 years by the Jews, before Jesus came on the scene, it was a dress rehearsal for the lamb of God who, who would ultimately, with one sacrifice for all time, take away the sins of the world. Amen? So these things were all dress rehearsals. Now the reality has come in Jesus Christ. Food or drink could specifically speak to that which is kosher or things that may be unclean. A festival speaks of the Feast of Israel. There's actually seven feasts that all point to the Messiah. I believe the spring feasts have been fulfilled. The fall feasts are yet to be fulfilled. A new moon was every month. There was a new moon celebration. The book of Numbers says every month. So you have an annual festival. Verse 16, you have monthly uh Festivals or honorings where sacrifices were made. The festival is annual. The new moon is monthly. The Sabbath day was weekly. This was in the normal activity of the Jewish people. You'll find people calling call in Bible programs all the time, and they're saying, why is it that we don't keep the Sabbath day as the Christian church? Why is it that we feel like we can extricate that command from the 10 top big ones? <laughs> Keep holy the Sabbath day. Isn't that a command still to apply to Christians today? And my answer is no. Because the Sabbath has been fulfilled in Christ. Now there is no problem if you want to worship on Saturday. And there's no problem if you want to worship on Sunday. The early church began to call Sunday the Lord's day. By the way, Sunday is the Lord's day. It's not your day. It's his day. Amen? I think America might want to take another look at the idea. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first, what are you wrestling with in your life? In Ephesians chapter 6, the apostle Paul says our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the powers, and against the spiritual forces of wickedness. It's no secret the Christian life is difficult, but you can take comfort in knowing you are not alone. In Pastor Michael Lance's book, Suit Up, he shows you a revealing look at God's armor and how the Lord will equip you to face the world. You'll learn about the nature of the battle, who the real enemy is, and God's provision to be victorious. Learn about how each piece equips you for spiritual battle when you get your copy of Suit Up today on walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. So you have an annual festival. Verse 16, you have monthly uh, festivals or honorings where sacrifices were made. The festival is annual. The new moon is monthly. The Sabbath day was weekly. This was in the normal activity of the Jewish people. You'll find people calling call in Bible programs all the time, and they're saying, why is it that we don't keep the Sabbath day as the Christian church? Why is it that we feel like we can extricate that command from the 10 top big ones? <laughs> Keep holy the Sabbath day. Isn't that a command still to apply to Christians today? And my answer is no. Because the Sabbath has been fulfilled in Christ. Now, there is no problem if you want to worship on Saturday. And there's no problem if you want to worship on Sunday. The early church began to call Sunday the Lord's day. By the way, Sunday is the Lord's day. It's not your day. Amen. It's his day. Amen? Amen? I think America might want to take another look at the idea of the Lord's Day because we keep thinking it's our day. No, it's the Lord's Day. And we should be in church. Unless you're sick, on vacation, an occasional hookie is okay to go to the beach because <laughs> we're not under the law, we're under grace. But you and I need to make a decision that we're going to honor the Lord who purchased our freedom on Sunday. You can give him an hour and a half every week. It's all right. But he, should, he deserves much more than that. Amen? But we're not to judge each other. You know, if someone misses church and we, we do this kind of thing, boy, we really missed you, brother. <laughs> that has layers, you know. That means, where were you? What were you doing? Do you need to repent of anything? It's a searching question. <laughs> We might want to start responding, did you really miss me? (laughs) And so in Colossae, what was happening is there was all kinds of judgment coming down. There's some cults, by the way, Uh, we'll tackle Scientology a week from today. In Scientology, they actually write up reports on one another. They have to turn each other in. In Jehovah's Witnesses, they do the same thing. They, they actually submit written reports. If they saw a brother or sister, for example, smoking a cigarette. Or in Scientology, from the weird mind of L. Ron Hubbard, he has, he, and he's gone now. He, has, he had family members who would write each other up because if they didn't write each other up, they would be uh, in trouble themselves with the organization. So it's a weird, strange thing. But in Colossae, this is what was happening. There was a war. And the war was for freedom. In verse 8, as we looked at last week, Paul says, see to it that no one, Colossians 2.8, takes you captive through philosophy. An empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We are free in Christ, free. We don't have to be under the bondage of somebody else's legalism. In Galatians 5, if you flip over to Galatians, just a few pages backwards, Galatians 5. Look at verse 1. This same idea was happening to the Galatians by the Judaizers. They were trying to force all the Jewish laws on these believers. Galatians 5, 1 says these words. It was for freedom or liberty that Christ set us free. Galatians 5.1. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, if they pressure you into this saying to you, you've got to do this outward sign to be saved, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Galatians 5.3. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to what? To keep the whole law. If you think that you are going to be saved by some outward ceremony that you do, and you want to go back to that law, 613 commandments and subcommandments, by the way, in the Jewish law, let me say that one more time: 613 commandments and subcommandments, and James says. In the book of James, if you fell in one part of the law, you're guilty of all of it. Good luck, rotseruk. <laughs> right? How about in Jesus, I am free. Now Romans 14. Oh yeah, praise the Lord! I didn't know you were going to clap there, but that's just, clapping for Jesus is cool. In Romans 14, Paul lays out. The things that are debatable. We're not talking about essential doctrine here. We're talking about debatable matters. Days of worship, diet, food choices. These are things that we stand or fall before our master. We have one master. And so we got to make sure that we don't try to put a trip on people that Jesus uh, certainly is not demanding of them. Here's an example. in the book of Mark, as we studied the book of Mark, go to Mark seven, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's a familiar passage, but it deserves our attention again because it specifically addresses these matters as Jesus is has another interchange with the Pharisees. It says then mark seven five, the Pharisees and scribes ask him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, mark seven five but eat their bread with impure hands. And Jesus said to them, Mark 7, 6, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. Don't you love how politically correct Jesus was? As it is written, these people, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. It's possible to mouth words. It's possible to go through ceremonies. It's possible to have the right diet, the right clothing, the right days of worship, and to have your heart be miles and miles away from Christ. You can put on a religious show and fool most of the people most of the time, but Christ knows your heart. And here's his point. He says, in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men, Neglecting the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men. He was also saying to them, you nicely set aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. Skip down to verse 14. And after he called the multitude to him again, he began saying to them, listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside the man which going into him can defile him. But the things which proceed out of the man are what defile the man. Specifically, he's speaking about diet here. If any man has ears to hear, let him hear. And when leaving the multitude, he had entered the house, and his his disciples questioned him about the parable. And he said to them, Are you so lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that whatever goes into the man from outside cannot defile him? Because it does not go into his heart, but into his stomach and is eliminated. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he was saying to them, or he was saying, That which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting, wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. But to eat with unwashed hands doesn't defile a man. And so let's go back to Colossians 2. This is really what was at the heart. And there are uh, commentators who believe that Paul is really putting feet to Jesus's sermon in Mark 7 as he deals with these matters. He says in Colossians 2, verse 17, these things, which specifically in context are mentioned in verse 16, the festivals, the food, etc. Colossians 2, 17, these things, these Things which are a mere shadow, verse 17, of what is to come, but the substance or the reality belongs to Christ. See the word shadow there? It's a Greek word called skia. It's S-K-I-A, transliterated into English. It's an image cast by an object representing the form of that object. If you're ever outside and you see your shadow, The shadow is an outline of your figure. It is actually representing you, but it is not a perfect representation of you. Amen? Your shadow, you you can look at your shadow and it will reflect kind of the outline of you, but it doesn't give the full substance of who you are. The festivals, the foods, the days of worship cast a shadow of Christ, but the substance was not fully seen in the festivals. The substance is found in Christ. I read a commentator, commentary by J. Vernon McGee, and he argued that we get our word photograph from the Greek word used here for shadow. So you can treasure a photograph. I remember I was on a missions trip many years ago, and I had one of those talking photographs. I was in India, Nepal, of my family. And each of my boys said, I love you, Daddy. And then the other one said, I love you, daddy. And the, the youngest couldn't really talk at the time. And he just went, ooh, uh, ooh. Uh. <laughs> and it was this, this, this talking photo. And I had it in my suitcase. And we unpacked in a half-star hotel. Geckos on the wall. <laughs> and I pulled the photograph out. And I, and I began to play it. And my friend looked at me and said, put that away. He said, you're going to drive yourself crazy. But the photograph was important to me. But when I got home, back to America, and kissed the asphalt at LAX, oh, thank you for America, Lord. (laughs) When I got home, I didn't hold the photograph and play it. I was with my family. They could talk to me. The substance was now in front of me. I could hug and touch and interact. Here's the deal. The photos or the shadows are good, but the substance is Christ. Now that he's here, don't go back to the shadows. Don't stay in the shadows when the substance has come. Amen. That's what Paul's saying. Yes, the substance has come. The shadows have been fulfilled and the substance is Christ. He is all you need and he is how you will find true freedom. Well, folks, we would like to bring Walk in Truth to Washington, a little town you may have heard of called Seattle. We've had many discussions, and this is definitely something that we're praying about. And I want to be honest with you about our direction. To do this, we will need some more monthly partners. If you're encouraged by our message, you see its value, we pray that you would consider partnering with us and making a donation if at all possible. You can set up monthly giving, monthly donations at walkintruth.com click on that Donate button at walkintruth.com. We're looking at strategic areas to expand this program into different radio markets. We really want to reach people with the message of Christ and help Christians grow in their faith. And you can help partner with us as you go to walkintruth.com and become a monthly partner. Well, we're very grateful for those of you who do this because you are helping us get the Word of God out to more areas of our country and even more beyond. So make sure that you check out all the resources to help your spiritual growth and partner with us today at walkintruth.com. We appreciate you. We love you. We're praying for you. Keep praying for us and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.